0: Well, good morning everybody. It's great to be here today. Uh, i reiterate Richard's welcome there to any visitors here. We're really blessed that you can be with us this morning and we hope that you're blessed to be amongst us. But talking of visitors, I have to say I felt like a bit of a visitor walking in here this morning. I think the last time I was here for two meetings uh, was on Easter, just before Easter Day, before we set up the Hazelmiss site. Um, So I bring you greetings from Hazelmere, Uh, things are going really well there, we're really just excited to see what the Lord is doing both here and and at Hazelmere. And I know when uh, Neil first talked about uh, the, the move over to uh, a second site. He talked about the, the sacrifice that it would be and the cost that would be. And, you know, we miss you guys, and I know a lot of people here miss us too, hopefully. Um, so there is a cost. There's also a benefit, however. I was here two weeks ago uh, just to catch the baptisms, and I was able to go over to the welcome area for a cup of coffee as a visitor. So there's, uh, there's, 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 there's two sides to every, uh, every situation. Okay, so we're continuing our series in Philippians. So if you'd like to... Open your Bibles, if you've got a Bible with you, to Philippians chapter 2. If you haven't got a Bible, it's going to be on the screen behind me. So we're reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence... Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So I'm aware that um, not everyone here this morning has been with us on this series. I I think about midway through the series now on Philippians. So I thought it would be very useful just to give a a brief history of um, where this story is all from and what the scripture that we just read, what the background of this is. So the book was written by Paul the Apostle. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. And then he was converted on the, on the road to Damascus. As he made his way to persecute more Christians, he saw a bright light and he was converted and became a follower of Jesus Christ. And he embarked on a number of missionary journeys across the region. And on the screen behind me is a map of the second missionary journey uh, that Paul embarked upon where he actually came to Philippi. So as you can see, he moved up through the region, through Syria, uh, through what is Turkey over here, modern day Turkey. Um, up into Macedonia, just north of Greece, and Philippi is just there, and that actually is Bulgaria there. So you can see he moved all the way around this region and back through Ephesus, down to Greece, across Crete, and back to Jerusalem. So this is his second missionary journey, and he's not traveling alone. He's got Paul, Paul with him and Silas and others, and he's out preaching the gospel. He's out telling the good news of Jesus right across the region, And as we heard last week from John, Philippi was a Roman colony. It was a very wealthy city. And again on the screen, a couple of archaeological uh, photographs of the site at Philippi. And you can see uh, there's a a huge colonnades there. Uh, There's a library there. Um, There's a theatre. It was a very, very opulent place to be. It was a a place of, of great pride and pomp. But it was also a place of very mixed spiritual beliefs. There were lots of different thoughts and attitudes uh, of the people in Philippi towards God and and, and, and what is all this about. They would have heard a bit of news about this man Jesus, but, but what was this really all about? There's a lot of debate going on in the colonnades there, a lot of discussions, a lot of interest, a lot of intrigue. And as Paul and the Disciples wandered through the city. They would have come across a number of shrines and statues. They'd have seen statues to the Roman emperor. As we heard, he was worshipped as Lord and Saviour. They would have seen various shrines to various Egyptian and and, and local gods and goddesses. They'd have seen a lot of shrines to the goddess Artemis, uh, who was Diana. She was worshipped for help in childbirth and for protection for women. They had about seven to one ratio of these statues of Artemis. So they would have seen that the, the religious beliefs in this city were, were, were very mixed. It was actually called syncretism. Syncretism is the combination of lots of different philosophies and schools of thought influenced by lots of different opinions, different theology, different mythology. That was the trend. It was kind of cool to be syncretistic at the time. To not land on anything in particular, but to have a various blend of religious beliefs. That was how it was in Philippi at the time. So it was a real melting pot. And you can just imagine as they walked about, there would have been... A, you know, the, the, just imagine the sounds and the, the smells of the place, and the, the noises, and, and the theatres going off, and the the atmosphere, and the the carriages, and the coaches going by, and the pomp, and the status, and the... The debates going on in the colonnades and this is the atmosphere, this is the city in which Paul arrives. And he arrives into this place and he begins to preach that Jesus Christ is the only way. That this man Jesus that was crucified, that was buried in a tomb as we just heard and then rose again three days later. The son of God who took the sins of the world upon his shoulders. This man Jesus is the only way. And Paul is preaching the good news to the people. A lot of people would have just said, bah, rubbish. But a lot of people believed. We read in Acts 16, the first believer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Lydia and the members of her household were baptized. So Lydia and her family are baptized, they believe. She was like a kind of old Joe Malone. You know, Joe Malone the, uh, the, the, does all sorts of wonderful perfumes. She's a believer, but she was an entrepreneur as well. Lydia was an entrepreneur. She was a, a dealer in purple cloth at the time. But she gives her life to Jesus, and she's baptized immediately as her, her whole family. And many others join the church. So a church is birthed in the city of Philippi, and it's uh, you know that's that's unusual. That's this is different. Something is going on here in Philippi. This is completely different to the debates and all the usual things that were going on. This is a, a new gathering of people with a new belief and a new energy about them. And then as Paul continues on his journeys, on his missionary journeys, he goes down to Thessalonica and then down to Athens. He writes letters back to the churches to encourage them. He writes letters to instruct them. And to teach them. And we read that his letter to the Philippians, we've heard on previous weeks that this letter was written while he was in prison. But we we read of his kind of real fondness to the church in Philippi. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He mentions later on that this church was the only one that supported him financially. Twice, twice in his missionary journeys. He, he always writes with fondness and he thinks with fondness. When he prays for the church in Philippi, he's actually thinking, well done guys, keep going. You're doing, you're doing really well. Uh, other churches he wrote to is like, you know, I've heard of sexual immorality going on in your church and he needed to speak real words of discipline, but here he's he's speaking words of encouragement. Yes, there are words of exhortation and words of warning in here, but his his attitude towards the church in Philippi is is, is one of great fondness. And and to sum up in these verses, he's really saying, Persevere in your walk of faith. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Keep going. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. And finally, shine as lights in this dark world. They're like three legs of a stool. Of course, the thing about a stool is that with two legs, it's not much use. But three, it suddenly becomes very helpful. And really, you know, it's all very good shining as lights and it's all very good persevering, but it's not very helpful if you're just full of grumbling and complaining. And equally, it's, you know, it's great if you're all getting along fine and you're all pushing on and persevering, but it's all very insular and you're not shining as lights and no one out in there, in the world knows about it. So these are like three instructions, three legs of a stool for, for church and Christian living that Paul's teaching about. And so we're going to look at those legs now. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it a lot easier to start a job than to finish a job. Um, I look around my house, there's a couple of DIY jobs that are just on long-term hold. Wives, this is a time for you to look at your husband lovingly. Um, Just a couple of things that you started, and it seemed a good idea at the time, a lot of enthusiasm to do this, and then uh, uh, just couldn't carry on. Uh, If you were going to a gym before Christmas... You're probably really now happy that you can get back to the equipment after the January rush. And you can start using it again. Because things are back to pretty much normal. We make all these great promises, don't we, in the new year. All these good aspirations. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to run five miles. I'm going to run half a marathon. I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. I'm going to be a nicer person. I'm going to do a random act of kindness every week. And then come February, we review January. We're 50 days, unbelievably, 50 days into the year now, and we review everything. Well, it was good to start, and I started with huge gusto, uh, but it's kind of waned off a bit. Last January, um, I sat in a in, in Marlow Rowing Club bar with a bunch of motley middle-aged men. We're all beginners, and it was a nice cold evening with a pint of IPA in front of us, as you do. And we decided we were going to enter into a race in June. And our coach said to us, you know, it's going to be hard work. It's going to be tough. And we were like, yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll go for that. Not a problem. We're, we're, gonna, we're, we're up for this. We're up for this. We, you know, now in June, that's not a problem at all. We'll, we'll push through. Uh, fast forward a week. Uh, six o'clock in the morning, freezing cold, carrying this boat out onto the water. I was getting splashed every single stroke with the person in front of me. Covered in water. Somebody hollering not very appetizing words down the boat. And um, by then, we'd already decided this is probably not a good idea. Uh, a number of us were muttering about why did we ever think of it? It seemed okay at the time. And funnily enough, our coach said to us, a number of you have come to me and said, should we give up? None of us told that to each other, of course, but we'd all separately gone to him and said, is this really worth it? The fact is, it was really worth persevering, because as we sat on that start line in June, we knew we were ready for it, and it was, it was tough but we knew we were ready for it. And it was, a, it was a great race. We happened to win. But we would have been happy actually just for getting across the line, frankly. Um, because it's hard work persevering. It's hard work carrying on. It's a lot easier starting something than it is carrying on. It's just, it's just a fact of life. And Paul here is saying, keep going. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You've been saved And I've gone away now, but you need to keep going. You need to keep working out your salvation. Now, it wouldn't have been easy being a Christian in Philippi at all. There would have been all sorts of pressures upon the new church in Philippi. The the, the fast torrent of the cultural thinking of the time would have been flowing right against them. There would have been temptation all around them. Some of them might have lost uh, business because they were Christians, They might not have done, but we speculate. But it might well have been the case that it was don't buy any more purple cloth from Lydia. They would have faced potential uh, rejection from family members. It would have been difficult. But Paul says work it out. Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. It's a, one of those scriptures that I sometimes kind of struggle with because I thought we received salvation. I thought that when we received Jesus, we received salvation fully. And we're fully saved. And that actually, the scriptures say very clearly that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by his grace. Freely. I receive his justification freely. Through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So if we've received this salvation freely... Why do we have to now work it out? I thought the Bible said, actually, we don't have to do works. And fear and trembling, that I'm afraid of losing my salvation, that I have this constant fear about me as a Christian as well. So not, um, not only am I striving to maintain my salvation, but I'm also striving with this fear and trembling. Is that what Paul's saying here? Well, Nikki Gumbel, who's the founder of the Alpha Course and uh, pastor at Holy Trinity Brompton in London... He says these words about the word salvation. He says, freedom is probably the best contemporary word to define what the Bible means by salvation. Freedom. God's desire and purpose is to free his people. You are set free. You are set free. So, what Paul's saying is work out your freedom. You've been set free. You've been set free from sin. You've been forgiven. You've been set free from the power of sin, the dominion and the control of sin. You have been released from the tomb of sin. Now work out that freedom. Keep working it out. Now working out is painful. Working out hurts. Working out takes effort. Working out takes pressing on towards the goal. And Paul talks about this himself. He says, in chapter 3, later as we hear in a, a future weeks, I press on to take hold of for that for which Christ took hold of me. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the price for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul encourages the church in Philippi just to keep on going. There are many things that will be out there. Philippians to take away your freedom, to rob you of your freedom. But you need to work at it to keep it. And I'd say the same message would come to us this morning as a church. That we need, now we've been saved and we've received him as our saviour. And we've been set free from sin and the, con- the eternal consequences of sin. We have this wonderful eternal glory awaiting us. But we have to work it out. We have to work out that freedom. We have to keep on believing. That can be a challenge. In the face of unanswered prayer at times, in the face of things that we just don't understand, in the face of evidence that seems to speak contrary to what we're believing for at times, that we've prayed and prayed, and we have to keep on believing, keep on working it out. We have to keep on praying. We have to carry on praying. Pray until something happens. And if something doesn't happen, keep on praying. We have to keep on keeping on. We have to keep on resisting the enemy. Resisting temptation. This is what he was saying to the church in Philippi. Just just work it out. Keep on going. It's a, it's a constant daily. Working it out. Every day. Stand in the freedom that Christ has won for you. We have to keep on being forgiven. Yes, we were forgiven on the day that we received him as Lord and Savior. We were set free from sin. But who knows, we have to keep on being forgiven. Who knows, we have to keep on forgiving. And sometimes we say, I've forgiven that person. And I've let them go. And then something comes up and it's like, maybe I haven't forgiven them. Or we have to keep on forgiving, as Jesus said, 70 times, seven. How many times do I need to forgive my brother? We have to keep on keeping on. I have to keep on serving and, and this we are so blessed in this church with so many people that serve, people that are here this morning at eight o'clock uh, and before, opening up the building and getting the PA up and running, same at Hazelmere site, putting all the chairs out at Hazelmere and, and then right through to the refreshments and all the children's work and then and then setting down and all of the and I, I just mentioned the tip of the iceberg is to everything that everybody does to serve and to, to make this body operate into work. And sometimes it can actually be quite, it can feel like a thankless task. It can feel like, you know, especially some of those roles where you just no one sees that I'm doing this. And, and Paul is just encouraging here just to just keep working it out. And all of this can sound like a bit of effort, actually. A bit of hard work. I keep praying, keep reading the Bible, keep on working it through, keep on forgiving others, keep on being forgiven, keep on serving, keep on unlocking the building at eight o'clock, keep on worshipping, keep on doing what I'm doing. It's, keeping on, it's a long way to go to glory. I've got to keep on. And that can feel like hard work, but the good news is that Paul continues by saying, for it is God who works in you, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Thank goodness he doesn't say it's in your own strength. That it's in your own effort, you've got to do this in your own in your own might, in your own strength. He's saying it's God who's at work in you. God's at work in you for his good purpose. He has a good purpose for every one of us here. He has a good purpose for you. He has a good purpose in all that you do. He has a good purpose. And in all the midst of our striving and our struggling, we have to remember and rest in his good purpose and his work in us and his spirit that is at work in us, enabling us to do all of this. It's not in our own strength. And actually, it's not in a a, a scaredness of losing it. It's not that we should walk around scared of losing it and worried. I don't believe we're called to be a worried people. But sometimes following God can cause us fear and trembling I mean Paul a number of times said that he came to a, a city with fear and trembling, why? because he's doing what God's called him to do but that's scary that's, that's, that's not always the normal way and that can cause us fear and trembling, it would have been quite scary being a Christian in Philippi do you swear allegiance to Caesar, sword up from a Roman soldier that's pretty scary do you go to that church? Do you go to that house church at Lydia's or whoever it might have been? Do you go there? That's pretty scary. Sometimes trembling, as well. And, and you know we can face that actually. When how do you get on? The, what do you do at the weekend? You know it can be actually quite scary to tell people of our faith in Jesus, especially against the culture that we live in. Terry Virgo says these words about fear and trembling which I, I have to say I find very helpful because fear and trembling is one of those concepts that uh, I struggle with and I think, what, what, are we, what are we talking about here? And Terry explains it this way. He says, I'm just finding it. It's here somewhere. I can't find what Terry said. Uh, has anyone got Terry's phone number? We could give him a call, couldn't we? <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure it'd help us. Um, anyway, he, he talk, Terry talks about, I'll just praise it because thankfully I can remember it. But, but, but Terry talks about the fact that actually, as, as Christians, we're sometimes asked to do things which are completely countercultural and, count, and, and completely illogical at times. And, and people might say, what, why are you doing that? I remember when Ellie and I went to Bible college years ago, it was, why are you doing that? carry on with your career. What are you doing? That's, that's madness. Why are you doing that at this point? And it was with fear and trembling. I can't take any credit at all that we were filled with faith and we went on with faith. And No, it was with fear and trembling that we did that. Absolutely fear and trembling. I recently changed jobs. I'm, I'm, moving, I'm doing a lot of work up north at the moment, which, which is great, up in Yorkshire and Bradford and Greatest Stuart and Gaynor up there. And, and I'm really enjoying it, but you know, seven months ago when, when I made the change, it was scary. It was absolutely the right thing to do. Now I can look back and see God was, God's hand was there, but it was absolutely right. Sometimes working these things out is, is quite scary and it's quite worrying, but God always comes through for us. Despite the fear, despite the trembling, work out your freedom, walk in freedom, take those steps, go for it. Try something radical. Go for it. Follow him. Go for it. It's scary, but go for it. That's what we're called to to do. That's what we're called to be. So, work out our salvation. Persevere. Keep going. Do everything, the second leg of the stall, without grumbling and complaining. Now, the reason why Paul wrote this is because he knew that there was grumbling and complaining and arguing going on in the church. It's one of the few things he picks them up on, but he picks them up on it nonetheless. And he knows that they're arguing about a matter specifically. There's two two people in the church who are just arguing. And he writes them and he says, look, settle your dispute, please. In the Lord, settle your dispute. And so that's why he says that. And the, the fact of the matter is, arguing and grumbling can absolutely destroy the work of God and the power of God in a church. It's amazing what Man can do when man puts his mind to it and works together. The International Space Station, which is whizzing above us now. It's a, an amazing collaboration of many governments. Whatever you think that's going on in the world politics at the moment... Just know that up there, spinning around somewhere, is evidence of incredible collaboration between the USA and Russia and Japan and Canada and Europe. All of these space, uh, uh, space experts coming together to launch that space station. It's, it was the most politically um, complex global space program ever, but it's up there and it's worked. And it's an example of what happens when humans collaborate and work together. It's so powerful. But we also know what happens when humans don't collaborate, when humans don't work together. We see wars. We see terrible suffering. We see the awful things that happen in the world because basically people are arguing. They're not agreeing. And the thing, of course, as we know about arguing is we always think that we're right. That's the thing about an argument, isn't it? We've got two parties that both believe they're right. Two parties that both believe that their view is the one that is the one to be come out on top in an argument and therefore there's bound to be tension and I think in the world at the moment there is more potential for that than we've ever seen because we have very very clear yes no uh democrat republican they're very black and white decisions and that creates a huge opportunity for division uh there is there is a lot of there's a lot of